If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk, and I am your host, Todd Huff. Email, as always, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. Not streaming there at the moment because of this stupid software acting up again. Tired of this stinking thing not working right. I don't know why it's it's not picking up the right audio source. Anyway, going to try to troubleshoot that. Um, it's never done this before. But anyway, it's good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, and look, we've got um, several things vying for our attention. I would say one of the, well, there's so many things to choose from today, but one of the um, the most obvious today is uh, the resurgence of, of COVID, coronavirus. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that. This morning, yesterday, I saw on Fox, Fox News, CDC's best estimate is 40% COVID-19 infections are asymptomatic. They also found, according to the CDC, again, I don't know, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that's been aggravating to the average American is that we have all of this confusion about all these rules, regulations, stipulations, uh, findings, how this is transmitted, and so forth. It's been a, it's been a mess. I mean, you can take the mask thing. The mask we were told not to wear at the beginning. In fact, it was kind of laughed off at the beginning. Masks don't do any good. People would, sh- you know, show pictures of how loosely masks fit. Um, they would show video of how the, I don't know, the, the virus can still go through the mask. The holes in the fabric um, are bigger than the virus itself and all this sort of stuff. But then we shift the gears dramatically. We shift the gears dramatically saying that masks were the um, only way to save humanity. And look, I don't wear a mask. I mean, what? whatever. I, I'm not even criticizing that. I'm criticizing this. This whole process whereby we've gotten to this point and people, for starters, didn't necessarily have a lot of faith in their government to begin with. On top of that, on top of that, they um, have seen just mess after mess. I'm talking about the bureaucratic side of this. I'm talking about um, just the, the, the inner workings of government. This is the sort of stuff... Because of the monstrosity we've built, 
And because of the amount of faith that people have been putting in government, this is the sort of thing that we were bound to get no matter really who's in charge of government. I mean, this is a lot of this stuff is on. I know that Trump's on. Please don't misunderstand. A lot of things Trump has done to reduce government has has been good. Now, there's been obviously spending. I don't look that that's continued to go up and that needs to be addressed. But as far as cutting bureaucracy and regulations and so forth, a lot of good things have happened. But yet we're nowhere we're nowhere near where this country needs to be. And a lot of this stuff is on autopilot. And you know the things that the government's supposed to be doing, supposed to be good at. This this, by the way, is one that the government should have um, you know, promote the the general welfare. Right? This is I'm I'm going back to the preamble of the Constitution. The government should be promoting the general welfare. They don't know what to promote half the time, folks. They have no idea. They are clueless. They have no idea what uh, they need to be doing. And so here we go. Here we find ourselves at this point um, where, you know, they just, there's mass confusion and chaos and so forth. So, Now the CDC is telling us that the best estimate they have is that 40% of COVID-19 infections are asymptomatic, people that don't have any symptoms. I wouldn't be surprised if it was 50%, but again, who knows? I mean, the way that this has gone, I wouldn't be surprised if it was higher than that. But they're also saying that the average person with COVID-19 is still likely to infect two and a half other people. So... Um, We've got the governor of the state of California, the People's Republic of California, who is reinstituting shutdowns. A lot of businesses are going to be shut back down in the sense of being able to provide services to people in person. Um, And there's, of course, this debate over schools, schools and whether they should reopen. In fact, we had the school district in Orange County, California, who plans to Um, move forward. They plan to move forward with schools opening in the fall with, I think I saw no social, I'm looking here for the article, but no social distancing. And, you know, basically they say, look, the kids that go to school, kids that go to school, school school-aged children, kids, young, young folks, are the least vulnerable to COVID, which again, here it is, Orange County, School Board of Education wants schools to reopen no uh, social distancing. They also point out that remote learning has been, quote, an utter failure. So there's this battle over schooling. There's this battle over COVID. There's this battle over, you know, how we get this, how dangerous this is. And the, look, the, the numbers are spiking up in, another, uh, in most of the country. Most of the country, there's a spike here. In um, in new cases, but mortalities are still low. Well, they're lower than they had been. Which some people say, well, just wait two weeks, three weeks. But even if you even if you factor that in, if you look at the the data, if you look at the graphs, um, the the mortalities have been decreasing. Even as in many cases, the new cases have been flatlining. Even when they were flatlining, and now they're inching back up, shooting back up in other places. So there's, I mean, good reason to believe that the 
mortality, the incidence of death with COVID-19 is not what it once was. And some people would say that's because it's now striking uh, people who are less vulnerable, who are, uh, you know, younger and healthier with less co-morbidities and that sort of thing. And there's, you know, that, that very well may be right. I'm just, I'm just struck by how little we still seem to know about this. I'm still struck about, you know, with, with the amount of misinformation, the conflicting information I see, uh, the panic I see from some folks. And look, nobody, nobody wants this. Nobody wants to catch this. Nobody wants to have complications from this, this, you know, and, and, and there's a variety of uh, varying responses around the country or even around from people you know. Some people say, just let me get it and get it over with. Some people say, I want to, you know, stay at home and lock myself in, you know, inside um, for as long as necessary so that I don't ever have a chance of contracting this. People saying washing your hands and social distancing um, I've, I've seen, you know, research scientists who say that it's 95% uh, transmissible from aerosol, and that happens, um, you know, to be the case that it, it transmits. And so, um, you know, it's not even just in, in close proximity that you can get this. It's still difficult to catch. Even if you get some of the virus, it's not enough virus load to create a actual large-scale infection. You've got some who, some research suggesting that T cells are strong enough to fight this off in some people, meaning they don't even have antibodies that are created. The body, the body says, look, we don't even need to create special fighters for this, for this virus. The normal system of uh, just fighting off normal things that we encounter each and every day or whatever on a regular basis, that's enough to fight this off in some cases. In other cases, um, there's... It, the the uh, infected person dies. There's just so many, so much confusion. Uh, you know, you have panic. You have people who are taking precautions and just trying to be wise and thoughtful. You have other people who throw caution to the to the wind and say to heck with it. Some people who want to film you if you don't have a mask on. Other people who you know just trying to mind their own business and. I mean, it, it, it runs the full gamut. And I think a lot of this just stems from a natural distrust that we have, uh, that Americans have towards their government, which, by the way, is well-deserved. It's been well-deserved for some time. Our government um, has been growing and has been out of control for some time. But this is not, this is not uh, the way to reinstill confidence in the American people. And I, that's not at all. Of course, what this is about, but for, but it would be nice to see it, right? It'd be nice to see our government actually uh, being able to. And again, this is not an attack on the Trump. This is this is an attack on just government. This is this is we have a government that has its tentacles in virtually every aspect of your life. They're incompetent in dealing with, I think, any of it. Um, I mean, look, the the military does a good job of protecting the, the country. I'm not throwing that in there, but the, you know, you know what I mean? Just, just socially. Yesterday we played the soundbite from AOC. She's uh, basically saying that with a $6 billion budget, the police in New York city can't stop violent, uh, violent crime from spiking up. And so I guess ergo, they should have less money. Um, even though there's, it's clear what's happening in places like New York city. 
mean, there's this hatred and, and violence that's been ignited. It's been ignited by some folks that stir the pot, by some folks who want to see chaos and you know turmoil in the cities, people who politically benefit from this, people who financially benefit from this. She's over there telling us this, you know, the spike in violence is because people are trying to find bread to feed their families because of unemployment, because of COVID, because of Trump, of course. I mean, it's just chaotic what we're dealing with here. Chaotic, completely nonsensical, gibberish. And, um, you know, this, this COVID thing, I mean, the, you know, what are your local school districts doing with COVID? I know some are moving towards reopening. But with the, the upward trend and the spike in places, is that what's going to happen? Are people just blindly responding with fear? Does there need to be some precaution, maybe even a delay? I mean, you can ask these questions. The thing, that's the thing, that's another thing. You can't ask these questions anymore without igniting deep uh, emotions or responses, emotional responses from folks. But if you look at it, again... Children have the least amount of risk. Mortalities are still going down. In fact, I shared with you that the uh, CDC, I don't know if they officially dropped it yet or not, but they were going to move it from uh, the, the classification of COVID from a pandemic, or I don't know what the term, I forget which term it was, but it, it no longer, it was about to no longer meet the criteria based upon the number of people who were, who were dying from the virus. And that's another thing. You know, the way that they're counting deaths, and you've, you've all heard the stories of people who have gone to the hospital with other serious conditions like, you know, stage four terminal cancer, and they're counted, and, and you know, their, their death certificate says COVID or whatever. There's examples of this, and it just makes people question all of this. You've got the money tied to it. You know, states are getting paid based upon, you know, for these COVID deaths, so maybe there's an incentive there, and then you can't ask that question because that's beyond the scope of possible explanations here. So there's just so much distrust. And this is a product, again, of a, of a government that's not doing its job, a government that's well out of control, and it has been. This is not, a, this is not an indictment of the Trump administration. This is just the, an indictment of the nature of government and what we've allowed, what we have collectively allowed our government to do at all levels. And I appreciate those like Trump, those of you who are trying to do what you can do to, to fight back on this, even some of you may have, you know, hold office. I appreciate for those of you who are trying to, to do this. But we have government out of control at all levels. And on top of that, you've got a group of people in the media that's supposed to. They're supposed to be holding uh, these people in power accountable, right? And they don't do this. They hate Trump. They hate Trump, and so they— act as though they're suddenly trying to hold an elected official accountable. But the truth is, the truth is they've been asleep at the wheel for a long time. They've been lying to us. They've been deceiving us. This is They're professional deceivers, many of them. Heck, I may even say most of them. That's These are the problems. You know, th there's a problem, of course, with COVID. There's a problem with other issues that we face in America. But at the root of all of these is a distrust for our government, we have bad characters in positions of power, and we have people who are supposed to be shining the light of day on what these politicians are doing who have 
their own agendas in the media. These folks can't be trusted. I mean, there's so many levels of distrust. People don't know the information they're getting. Plus, you factor in the incompetency here and just the general confusion. And I know that the disease itself is confusing. That's a factor. I'm not saying that this is an easy thing to get your hands around. But just the, the I don't know, we, we've gotten to the point to where this is, um, it's a perfect storm of problems. Anyway, COVID-19 still back on the radar. Some states are going to be, you know, rolling back. School districts have already said, I saw Atlanta, Los Angeles, and I think others who are saying that they're not going to be open beginning of, uh, you know, early fall here. And, uh, you know, of course, we're heading into an election, which you wonder what the, it's a fair question to say how much of this is motivated by that as well, politics and so forth. Anyway, got to take a break. Going to try to fix uh, this uh, Facebook feed for those of you who stream on Facebook. Not sure what's going on. Really what it comes down to is my mic source is not picking up from the the correct uh, – it doesn't matter. I'm going to look at that during the break. You're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. Cannot figure out what's going on with Switcher Studio, this program here that we've been using to stream. It works perfectly fine <laughs> on most days, and suddenly it's changed my audio input, and I cannot, for the life of me, figure this out. So um, let's go back to this this problem that we've you know kind of hit on here this morning, which is which is really what conservatives at the heart of conservatism is this idea, this idea that government should uh, conservatism. At the heart of conservatism is the idea that we are um, – we should be limited. Our government should be limited in in its scope, right? Limited government, not no government. We don't want to say uh, there are some out there. In fact, we've got, we've got anarchists out there now who are really half anarchist and half communist in many cases. Um, they're fascists. They're kind of a mix of everything. They just want a bunch of stuff provided to them. They think they're justified in intimidating and using candidly in many instances terrorism to intimidate people. So, but we're not saying no, we're saying limited government, not no government. Right? There is a role of government on this planet, this side of heaven. There absolutely is is a a purpose for government, but it's been abused. It's been abused by both parties for a long time. And so that here, I think, is is being exposed. The government, you know, when things are going well or when people are not paying attention, that's when this monstrosity begins to grow. That's when, you know, we had we have to be and had to be plural. And I know I'm preaching to the choir here for many of you, but we had to be vigilant. We had to be focused on keeping our government in check. But see, there was no pressure because things were going well. There was, you know, when there's prosperity and when there's, I say, relative peace, because we've been at, we've been at war for a while with uh, the, war, the war on terrorism. I'm not saying we shouldn't have engaged or whatever, but of course we didn't do everything perfectly. That's a whole other discussion. I'm simply saying that, you know, for many Americans, um, we're, we're insulated, even though there is a war on terror, the war is being fought 
you know, in, in other places. And occasionally there would be um, some terror activity in this country. But again, it happens in places that are, you know, we don't personally encounter it. We see it. We read about it. And so there's not this daily um, drive for your attention in the sense that, you know, we all should be, we all are uh, certainly susceptible to a terrorist attack. It's just statistically unlikely to hit us, but it's, you know, the people that are every day planning to harm Americans and our interests and so forth, our infrastructure, our economy. But it's not, again, we've done a, a, a good job at fighting back against that. Maybe sometimes uh, there's some legislation that we need to revisit and think whether or not that's really the right thing. But anyway, the point is, is that the government, you know, in these in these particular areas, it has a role. It doesn't have a role um, in some of the th- the places that it's it's put its fingers. But what happens is they do they end up doing the things. Um, they do nothing well at that point, or very little well, and they end up um, because of expanding themselves or stretching themselves too thin. That the government gets larger to fill positions. The government is not very good at doing things. So what do they do? They ask for more money, almost always getting it. And politicians are portrayed as not being in favor of whatever it is, whatever the government program is supposed to do at the moment. If it's supposed to end hunger or stop cancer or whatever, if you don't fund it to the levels that somebody thinks you should fund it, you are suddenly branded as someone who's against cancer research or against feeding people. And so, you know, government officials capitulate and give in because their number one objective, unfortunately, in many, perhaps even most instances, is to get elected and reelected. That's it. Then they come back to us every two, every four, every six years, depending upon the office, and tell us, hey, um, vote for me because I'm going to go and fight for you. I'm fighting for you every day in D.C. What are you actually doing in D.C.? And they'll tell us, well, I can't really get done what I need to get done, what I want to get done because it's just me versus the world over there. I'm trying to fight for you. Oh, I'm just in there swinging away, chopping wood, priming the pump. Like Chuck Pagano. It's like Chuck Pagano should should chain, train these politicians on how to say some of these phrases. Just going to work for you, putting on the hard hat, getting down to business, chopping wood, priming the pump, all this sort of stuff. And just fighting for you each and every day. And I just can't get it done. I need one more term. Just one more. Oh, if you just elect me one more time. And the cycle continues. The cycle continues, folks. This is what happens. This is all what we're dealing with, and I'm again, I'm, I'm grouping in several things, but the response to to COVID, the mask confusion, the inconsistent messaging, the bureaucratic state that seems to have no idea. I mean, you'll have two two groups that have uh, responsibility in, in communicating about COVID, and they'll have different information, completely different information, or they'll change what they told you midstream. And I get it to a point. No one. No one understands everything. I don't. This is a a new virus, and there's questions about its you know its its origins. Um, some people thinking that it was you know tied to a, a lab. Some people say that it was just you know it it was started from you know um, people consuming 
foods and it was transmitted from uh, the wet market to people in Wuhan, China. And, you know, there's just a lot of information we don't have the slightest idea about. And we're told conflicting things constantly. Wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You know, don't leave your home. The economy can never be opened again. Um, schools, we can't open schools and all this stuff. And meanwhile, meanwhile, we act as though there's a pause button on life. I, I share this with people. You know, as, as an entrepreneur, I, I've, I've come to appreciate this a little bit. There's a lot of things vying for your attention. And you don't have to just be an entrepreneur for this to be the case. I'm just, as an entrepreneur, this has become the most obvious to me. But, you know, you have a lot of things vying for your attention, a lot of good things that can be done. Opportunities present themselves, but you still have other stuff that you have to do. And I, I've told people before, there's no pause button. You know, I can't pause it and say, let me fix this. Let me get this set up just right. And then we'll pick up exactly where we stopped off. Right. That's not the way that it works. Shutting down the economy is the same way. You just don't hit the pause button and say, let's just take it easy. Everybody kick back, relax, you know. Go home, stay home, prevent the spread, flatten the curve, and then everything's going to be hunky-dory apple pie when you decide to, quote-unquote, reopen the economy. It's just not the way that it works. I know, I know people in government think that they're in control of all these things, but that's just simply not the way that this works. There is no pause button. There is no way. You have to, you have to deal with multiple problems at the same time, and... Again, I just, you know, the direction that we're moving with governors shutting down or moving, you know, back towards that. And in the case of, of the People's Republic of California, Governor Newsom, um, you know, you try that in certain parts of the country again, I, you know, there's going to be serious pushback. And others, you know, other people are responding by saying, well, otherwise, you know, we're going to all die of COVID and so forth. And, I don't know. The, the government is just uh, – this to me just shows how inept they are. This, this to me demonstrates exactly why we need to see less government because this is just one chaotic mess, one misstep, one confusing bit of information. And no, this is not, again, targeted at an administration. This is just the nature of the beast that has been created over decades, over decades, as many Americans probably not – most of you, but many Americans were asleep at the wheel, living their lives. Reminds me of, and I got to take a break here, but it reminds me of a conversation I had with someone who told me, um, told me that, you know, as he was raising his family, he was busy with work and sports and all this. And he just, you know, watched the news casually. And suddenly, um, whenever he retires and starts to catch, you know, uh, kids move out and all this sort of stuff and starts following the news closer he realizes my goodness i'd been i'd been kind of lulled to sleep here i'd been distracted and i think that that happens with a lot of folks they hear the headlines they they follow the news stories but they don't really follow the news as to what's happening they don't take the responsibility to vigilantly defend this this nation and and this freedom and liberty it's it's one generation away from extinction folks always as reagan said anyway really long in this segment have to take a time out you're listening to conservative not better talk i'm your host todd huff back in just a minute
Welcome back. I want to share. <laughs> I want to share something. I just debated about doing this. I got a. We have the Huff Hotline, and I. Again, I. Um, play calls from here sometimes. Played a couple recently, uh, but I don't play a whole lot, and it's usually because I just there's so many things to discuss, and so many things that I feel like I need to say and and you know talk about and so forth. But I want to share. A phone call. This is this, by the way, and the vast majority of the phone calls. If I don't get to them, it's just because I don't get to them. It's not because um, you know they're not. I don't know. They're not uh, productive or helpful or good or whatever. But th- this call, I have to say, um, is if you're going to take your chance to call in here, folks. Got to do better than this. I've never been accused of this before. Got accused on a phone call here from being something that may may shock many of you. But I just want to share this because I really kind of think um, with maybe without even knowing it, uh, this particular caller has stumbled into, I think, what's a larger problem. We talked about some problems the last couple of segments with, with government in general. There's a problem with society and culture and people and the way we communicate about disagreements and so forth. And so I want to play this. I think he stumbled into something, um, if I'm being candid, I think unintentionally because he's trying to insult me, which I find (laughs) – I I chuckled at this quite a bit last night uh, when I got this. But anyway, this is a call I got yesterday. I want to share this with you and talk about it. Here you go. Hey, this is Roscoe from Indianapolis, Indiana. Todd Huff appears to be a communist sympathizer because he refuses to reveal the truth about Andre Carson and the fact that uh, he is advocating and encouraging uh, his constituents to pull down uh, historical statues of our founding fathers and other great contributors to our uh, current culture. Over and out. Bye. I don't know if you caught that at the beginning, but he accused me of being a communist sympathizer. Roscoe, if you're listening out there, my man, you got to pull it together, buddy. You got to pull it together because uh, this, yeah, by, by, I think the best way to illustrate this absurdity is to say this. I, I, I suppose from this phone call, um, I'm left with no other conclusion here than this is a Biden supporter because he didn't tell us. He didn't start his call by saying, make America. Great again. By the way, he didn't say he was pro-Constitution, so I think that logic, <clears throat> Roscoe's logic here, by Roscoe's logic, the only thing that we're left to understand and interpret from this is Roscoe is not in favor of the Constitution because he didn't say like – look, he had three minutes. He only used 35 seconds of it. Roscoe could have said, I am pro-Constitution. I am you know, Make America Great Again 2020. I am for the First Amendment, the Second Amendment. He didn't say it was for the Second Amendment. I'm left by Roscoe's logic to determine that Roscoe is not for the Second Amendment because he didn't openly state it. Now, if Roscoe really believes that I am in favor of tearing the monuments down, if Roscoe really believes—I mean, does anyone listening to my voice believe that that's something that I've condoned, that I have said is good? In fact, I was talking to Oz about this. And Oz told me I even mentioned uh, a reference. I didn't get into a whole thing about Andre Carson, who, by the way, should not be 
I, I, I wish the people in his district would wake up and elect someone who is not um, who, who's not as radical as this guy. And yes, he's wrong for wanting to tear down monuments. And I've I've referenced uh, this. I've referenced it. I didn't get it, go into it in detail. But what problem does it illuminate here? Whatever Roscoe's problem with me, and Roscoe, I mean, come on, man. Think your phone calls through a little bit better. But what, that doesn't even matter. What matters is I think this is this illustrates a larger problem, right? I mean, here I come. I have two hours every day. We talk about a lot of stuff. And Roscoe, after apparently listening to this program, I don't know if he's you know, not paying attention to what we're saying, assumes, of course he doesn't assume, he just wants to throw the, uh, the verbal equivalent of the Molotov cocktail my direction by calling me a communist <laughs> sympathizer, which is just patently absurd. You can't be taken seriously, Roscoe. You got to get better at your political theater there, my friend. But anyway, this... This is what happens in society, right? And and we wonder how we can't um, why we can't solve some problems because there are reasonable people on, on both sides uh, of things. Again, there are radical leftists and people in positions of power manipulate us. I I want that to be abundantly clear. Not I don't want to say all of them all the time, but it's not an uncommon thing. But you know when this is the starting point. When the starting point is uh, Todd's a communist sympathizer, give me a break. I mean, I routinely come on here and I talk about 100 million deaths that have been ushered in in the 20th century by the lovers of big government and communists. Roscoe doesn't hear that because I didn't utter the word Andre Carson. Because, by the way, I'm not camp, I don't campaign. Newsflash, Roscoe, I'm not a campaigner. I talk about issues and ideas. I sometimes don't want to talk about particular candidate because it kind of bores me. I want to talk about the idea, the principle, and so forth. But to throw these these statements around, and this is something, by the way, I'm pretty sure, you know, you always find these people who, uh, you know, on, on Facebook, they'll, they'll type stuff, but in person, they would never say it. I have a feeling, I have a feeling that uh, uh, Roscoe is trying to channel his tough guy, Chris Cuomo here. But this is... This is, this is, I think, indicative of a larger problem that we have. And, Roscoe, I'm having a little bit of fun with you, but I still believe this completely. Like, it's, it's just – it's really silly, um, the, the, the premise of the call here. But it illustrates a point. It illustrates a point that we have – we have, um, you know, we have an opportunity to reach out to people who disagree with us. And this, this would not be the way – to do it. If you genuinely want to find agreement, this is not how you would do that. But I gotta take a break. You're listening at home of conservative, not bitter talk. Roscoe, fortunately, we're not bitter, my friend. Sit tight, be back in just a minute. Welcome back. So Again, we used Roscoe's call. And Roscoe, again, it's not personal. We're conservative, not bitter, but that just um, I think I think the the message of the call illustrates a larger problem. As I've said before, as I've said before, we have in order to win this political debate, discussion that we're having, 
in this nation. We have to be persuasive. And persuasive, look, I get, I get having a little bit of fun with it. I understand that. And maybe that's what Roscoe was trying to do. And he entertained me. Um, It made me chuckle. Actually, I would say it even made me laugh. But the, um, we have to persuade people. And generally, as a rule, I talked about this um, when I was uh, in Freetown on, on Friday. We have to be more persuasive. There are people out there, folks, that we can persuade to our side of the political aisle, if you will. People who can be persuaded that government needs to be limited, that the scope of where our government is today is well beyond what it should be. People can be convinced and to, to embrace conservative values, constitutional principles. But we have to be persuasive. In fact, I identified three general areas. This is this is the sort of stuff we do at CNBU, by the way, which is going to be launching here. Um, I'm tentatively in in, uh, in in August. But one of the things we're we're working on is developing a, a system, a program whereby we can become more con- uh, effective, con- conservative communicators and persuaders, because we have to win a series of these small discussions, arguments to move people individually, right? I mean, that's how people are persuaded individually towards the principles set forth in the Constitution and the foundations of conservatism. But there's three basic things we have to do. We have to um, we have to be the right type of people, meaning we and there's a lot of you know kind of things to this, but we have to be the right type of people. We have to focus on, persuading not on winning the argument, not on pounding our chest and saying, look at how how great I am. I won, he lost. We have to have the right mindset that says, I want to help someone understand and receive the truth of what we're what we talk about, what we embrace. Number two, we have to know the right information. And what I mean by that is we need to understand principles and fundamentals. We don't need to get into the weeds and, you know, studies and research. I don't need a study. And most American no one really needs a study to believe that free speech is a good thing, that liberty is a good thing. That's why it takes manipulation and deceit, deception from politicians, from people in the media to get people to give up their liberties because of fears. It's not because that they, they've made a trade based upon some erroneous information. And number three, number three, we have to present it in the right way. I want to teach. I've I've been in sales and marketing. I've been kind of trained, and there's some basic just sales principles, and not not to trick somebody, but just to communicate, to listen, to ask questions. There's some things that you can do to really go a long way in communicating those things. If you're interested in any of that, and I got to take a break here, but if you're interested in any of that, um, sign up. Sign up to get more information on CNBU when we launch that. You can text. Uh, the word course, C-O-U-R-S-E, to 888-111. And I can take a break. You're listening to Conservative, not Better Talk. Again, that's the word course, to 888-111 if you're interested. So type me back in just a minute. Welcome back. So I want to say that I have, of course, it doesn't do us any good at this moment for this hour, but I got the correct audio input 
set into our device. It wasn't connecting earlier, so hour two. We'll be able to stream on YouTube now. I say that, fingers crossed, <laughs> as to whether or not it'll work when I, I hear in the next five minutes or so start to launch that, uh, that video. But anyway, hour number two should be on YouTube, which is where we broadcast each and every day. Hour number two, all you got to do is go to YouTube and search the Todd Huff Show. That's where you'll find us, um, and we'll continue. Look, there's a lot of things I didn't get to. There's a lot going on, right? I mean, we're in the middle of all sorts of um, tension, chaos, and we've got an election, believe it or not, in less than four months. Biden's still hiding. Hiding Biden. There's a campaign for people that have settled for Biden. I think that's the name of it. We'll talk about that next hour. But I've got to go. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. SDG. See you in a few.